Here's to good friends. Tonight is kind of special. The beer will pour. Must say something more somehow. So tonight, 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 let it be the Spider-Man Show. Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe! Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy, he calls to you who, the social outcast, yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready, Trumbo. And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, I am Spud Goodman. Yes! And, you know, what the heck, I'll be the host of this little radio program. As this is a free country, though, I'm not going to try and coerce you, the listener, to hang with us if you accidentally happened upon our show. It is within the realm of possibilities, though, that you you might enjoy it. So maybe give us like 10-15 minutes before you move on to NPR or some oldie station. Let me introduce the one component any radio show absolutely has to have. Of course, I'm referring to our designated laugher, Gina. Without her, in this capacity, you, the listener, would have to like rely on your own sense of judgment as to what's funny or witty. That's a, hell, it's a heck of a lot of heavy lifting, and we understand that you know people are already overburdened in their daily lives. So we got this. Gina, give everyone a good hearty laugh to verify you're here to serve. <laughs> All right, thank you. Oh, and we also have, like, a, a sort of co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Uh, I'm in a squeak or something now, so they know that you're actually in here with me. Wait, like like a, a high-pitched squeak? I don't know. I, I don't understand, Spud. Just know that I am roaring to go here and fully prepared to fill all duties required of a co-host. Well, actually, you're a temporary co-host. Well, temporary permanent co-host. But, yeah, whatever. So, listen, who's on the show tonight? Uh, you know, I would sure appreciate getting a schedule prior to going on the air. Well... And I would love to be given the answers to every question before I tune into Jeopardy Hello, each night, you too. Can't. You know, it's, it's nice to be able to feel smart sometimes, regardless of the circumstances. Yep, but if this practice continues, I may be forced to file a grievance. But the Ooh, interns, well, they continue to be given show schedules, yeah. and it's really humiliating right. for a co-host to have to ask an intern who's on the show. Well, I understand, and when you are fully vetted and cleared, this might happen. Until then, <laughs> you will continue to be treated as a security risk. I don't. I have my intellectual properties to be protected. You know that. I know. I, I work really hard putting this show together, and I will not allow leaks to occur. Again, Spud, as I've mentioned many times, this is the definition of promotion. You announce who's on the show via social media. 
Yeah, and I trust the listeners to keep this confidential. The loyal Spud Goodman Show supporter would never breach security and leak confidential information. Yeah, okay, fine. I'll continue to try and do my job with both hands tied behind my back, but I understand I fully intend to okay. file that grievance. Well, you go ahead and submit that to the talk show mediation board and let me know what they say, all right? What? There must be somebody that Good will luck. hear my issues. I'm going to look online after the show. It'll knock yourself out. Well, right now, though, I would like to get this show started, and, and what I wanted to discuss tonight is something that's just been bothering me for a long time. I mean, for years. Oh, is this about your hay fever again? Because I told you, one Claritin will do the job, and it does not cause impotency. No. I don't know where you heard that one. There are no side effects with Claritin. No, no, I mean, it's, that's good to know, because I did read that on the Internet. But, no, what I'm talking about is being called Sir... By women now. It, oh. it started in my mid-30s and keeps getting worse as the years go by. Oh. Now it's driving me crazy. Well, you know what? That's just a common courtesy extended to men when they leave their youth behind them. It's a milestone that I myself treasure. Being called sir by a woman is quite a bit more pleasant than, say, I don't know, dude. What? Uh, I don't appreciate being called that. Never have. Dude. It's a very impersonal term. So. Me, I mean, I'd much rather be called dude by a woman, especially if she's hot. Well. Or, or, or not hot, really. I mean, hot's getting to be somewhat irrelevant to me these days, I gotta be honest. I mean, what is hot anyway? When, when you spend a few hours a week shaving your ears and your eyebrows, you know, you're gonna gladly accept lukewarm or tepid or even almost chilly nowadays. Well, call me old school, but I was raised to refer to men as sir and women as ma'am. Ma'am, were you raised in a little house on the prairie or what? Who calls women ma'am? Did that go out after the Civil War? Just let me play some music. All right. All right, now here's a band that uh, made a lot of noise in the Northwest in the 80s. Yeah, a very fine band, The Heats. And here's about one of their hits, Ordinary Girls. Roll it, Dave.
is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Hi, this is David Keckner, and you're spending time with Spud Goodman. That's time well spent. Hey, uh, Spud. Yeah? Your first guest, Ernie Hudson's ready to speak with you. Okay, this guy's done some really neat stuff over his career, you know? Yeah, I know. The family and I are big fans of his two Ghostbusters films that Ernie was in. He was really good in them. You know, I'm more of an Oz man myself, uh, with as far as Ernie goes. Um, I mean, though, he played mm. that warden on the show, and it gave me some insight on, you know, what that job must be like. I would never want to be a warden, I know that. Well, hey, are you going to ask Ernie about what you read on the internet, you know, about him dying? Huh? Well... I am a journalist, so uh, I, I guess I'm going to have to. But it's a little uncomfortable asking a guest about being dead. You know, at least, even on the internet. But just put him on. Yeah, here he is. Please welcome actor, playwright, and producer Ernie Hudson to the show. How's it going, Ernie? It is going so good, I can't even tell you. No, things are great. Ah, all right, cool. You're now on the new Netflix series, Grace and Frankie, starring Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. The second season is now available to be devoured in one sitting, if so desired. And so you play the love interest of Lily Tomlin's character, Frankie, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, I just love her so much. She's, she's amazing. She's amazing to work with. And... Um, yeah, I'm just having a great time. You know, both the ladies, um, Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, are so cool and so good to to watch them do what they do and, uh, like I said, play with them. And it's it's a great cast, right? It's a really great cast. Well, did did the writers give you many love scenes? As if I was an actor, I would not feel comfortable doing them. You know, is this hard enough to be halfway decent in bed in real life, let alone entertain millions watching you on the screen? That's a tough gig. <laughs> Well, you know, it, it, a lot of times it depends on uh, you know who you're with and how comfortable the other person is. So we, um, um, but Lily's, Lily's, you know, she's great, and um, you know, it, it, you know, the scenes aren't too too specific. Um, but, I get you. Um, I get you. All right. You know, yeah, no, it's, uh, so far, you know, anything is possible. I mean, but I've done a lot of shows. I did Oz, you know, where they had some, some oh. oh yeah, very detailed stuff. Um, but um, well, let's talk about yeah, us. No, let's, it, let's, for me, those things are all. If it makes sense for the story and the character, but just to do them just for the sake of sensationalism, that doesn't work for me. Okay, uh, regarding Oz, earlier in your career you played uh, Warden Leo Glenn on the show. We've discussed this many times on our program, most recently with Christopher Maloney. You know, it still holds up. It's a fantastic show, and you were great in it. Well, thanks. Yeah, it was. I'm so happy to have been a part of that. Uh, great cast, one of the best casts I think I've, I've ever worked with. I mean, I saw everybody, you know, came there to to play to raise their game, and um, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad um, I got a chance to do it, and uh, seeing some of the guys now come out and go on to do other things, it's it's really really very good. So my question is, though, with your knowledge of the criminal justice system in prisons, what's your take on this, this you know, private sector-run prisons deal? Isn't it not like taking the free market concept a little too far without having to run any TV commercials or print ads? They, they can guarantee their stockholders will never have a vacant cell. That's stuff like crony capitalism or something, isn't it? It's just not yeah, right. I think it's, I think it's awful. I think that the whole prison complex, what, what we've done as a country... What we've turned these prisons into, how we've sort of devastated these communities, it's just, this is wrong. And, um, and it can't sustain itself the way it's going. Um, you know, we used to give people the benefit of the doubt. We used to try to, you know, bring some kind of, um, 
you know, healing, um, um, just to give the, the, the human element. You know, we talk about the letter of the law and the spirit of the law, and we've sort of gotten away from the spirit of the law. And uh, these systems uh, are there to make money, and um, and and they're wrong, and it's, yeah, it's I, awful. Yeah, it's uh, kind of that corporate cool hand Luke kind of thing. He thought, I don't, I don't, I just don't get it. But anyway, all right, moving on. Um, yeah, I must touch on the role you played in Ghostbusters one and two that every person on Earth is familiar with, Winston Zeddemore. So after doing those yeah. two films with all the research you did, do you or do you or do you not believe that ghosts actually exist? I believe that uh, I believe that first up we're spirit as opposed to these bodies. Um, I think we're both, but uh, I think primarily we're spirit, and uh, these bodies are temporarily, and then they'll they'll fall away. I mean, we all have to make that transition. But I think I think that what we call ghosts or this other dimension, I think that's real. Uh, I think um, we don't cross the streams, as the movies say. I think it's um, you know it's. it's there's a divide, um, and so, but I think there's something going on. I think we have five senses, and if you don't experience it in those five senses, in our minds, at least it doesn't exist, but I think we'd be very foolish to believe that there are only five wow. senses. Yeah. There are things going on that we don't have, but things going on all around us, flowing through us. I mean, the fact that we can talk on the telephone, that, that these waves are surrounding us in so many ways, so... Um, yeah, I, I believe I believe there's there are things out there now. Hopefully, they don't have an evil purpose. Right. So some of the things we create in our movies are, are exaggerated. I don't believe that, but I do believe that yeah that oh. there there are other dimensions. You know, we have a resident psychic on our show, Mr. Ted Marr, who talks to ghosts all the time, and he said anyone can do it. You don't really have to be a ghost whisperer. But all right, well, you're also in the new Ghostbusters three due out in July, so you know there does seem to be a huge thirst for ghosts. I'm just saying, I thought I'd throw that out. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the new one's coming out. I think it's going to be very, uh, very funny. But I think all of that, it has to do with what you believe. I think people who believe uh, open themselves up to receive certain things, and people who don't believe um, shut themselves off from things. All right. Well, you know, Ernie, it was reported online that you died on May 2nd of this year. Can I ask how you and other celebrities <laughs> feel after you read on the Internet that you're now supposed to be deceased? Yeah, you know, I mean, wouldn't everybody be surprised to find out that I'm actually a ghost, you know, that, yeah, um, yes, you know, yeah, no, it's, it's funny. I, you know, I, what do you say to that? I mean, you know, so many things can get printed and, um, it just, just goes to, to, you know, tell us that we can't believe the stuff that we read, even though some of it seems very real, but yes, there's just so much misinformation, uh, that, um, you know, uh, that's out there, and you have to take it all with a grain of salt. Well, that would really upset me if I woke up one morning and read on the Internet that I was dead because I believe what I read on the Internet, so call me naive, whatever. <laughs> that's where I get my news, but all right. Say, Spud. Yes. Hey, uh, excuse me, Ernie, I'll just be a second here. Yes, Spud. I think the only people who are mistakenly reported to have died on the Internet are really big celebrities. You know, you probably don't have anything to worry about as no one's going to make something up about you supposedly dying from an overdose or heart attack. Maybe someday if you do get famous. Hey, I, I resent that statement. I am a radio talk show host. This program is heard on a bunch of stations. Now, I, I may not be as well known as Tony Danza or Justin Bieber, but I bet it's possible someday a fake report of me kicking the bucket might come out. Never say never. Well, 
Oh, okay. I, I guess it's within the realm of possibility that this could occur. But most of the time, these bogus stories are put out by publicists who want to give a boost to a sagging career. It gets their client's name in the news, if only for a day or two. Oh, I don't have a publicist, but, but I would kill to be a trending subject on Twitter, if only for an hour or two. Well, I bet some of the lower-level celebrities have had to do this themselves, so I, I guess you could do it yourself, but it seems like such a desperate act. John Miller? Well, at least, at least I would get a brief moment in the sun. Your fake death notice, on the other hand, would go straight to spam. Now let no. me get back to Ernie here, all right? Hey, Ernie, my apologies. I'm back, though. I thought you hung up on me. Well, <laughs> what are the long-term career goals for Ernie Hudson? I've read a story where the author suggested Quentin Tarantino should make you the star of his next movie, and I totally agree because you deserve it. Well, the, um, I'd love to work with Quentin, um, I, uh, and I never have. So... Um, you know, I think the long-term goal for me is I've just stopped wishing for, you know, people to see what I can do. I, and I just went, okay, let me just, you know, deal with what, what is there, uh, what is before me, what is interesting to do, and what is not interesting. Don't do it. So, um, so there are things I, I, I love working, but I'm not, um, I'm not desperate to do it anymore. Well, And that's a, that's a good place. Right. Well, to this point, what's been your most memorable, you know, and enjoyable role that you've played in your career? Well, there's, you know, I've been very blessed to do, I like doing things slightly different. I love the character in The Hand of Rocks the Cradle, uh -huh. uh, Solomon. Right. Um, that character, very, I love the character in Congo, um, being the safari leader. Uh, of course, I love Ghostbusters. The Crow is one of, you know, yeah, great uh, movie. in spite of the tragedy that happened. Um, right. Very proud of the movie. Um, so I've been very blessed to do, um, you know, some different kinds of things, um, and they're all fun, but for different reasons. All right, super. Um, yeah, you've had a, a pretty amazing career, I'll just say that. Um, all right, well, once again, season two of the Netflix series Grace and Frankie, along with Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, Sam Watterson, and Martin Sheen, is now available for viewing. So uh, hey, I really want to thank you for coming on our show, okay? Thank you so much for inviting me. I really enjoy talking to you. All right, Mr. Ernie Hudson. For a genuine musical treat, tune in to the, the Spud Goodman, Goodman Show, radio's famous program that takes you on a magic carpet of melody to a world of beauty. All right, it's musical guest interview time. Please greet our musical guest, Colorworks, who just happened to have a new EP out titled Dreams of Mangoes. Gentlemen, please out yourself with your birth name and instrument you'll be playing here in a moment. <laughs> Hey, Spud, how you doing? I'm, my name is Nick, and I play bass. Hi, Spud. I'm Brett. I play guitar. Hey, I'm David. I also play guitar and keys as well. And I'm Andrew, and I play drums. Oh, you got, got quite a hand there. It's nice. <laughs> All right, now, the Colorwork sound uh, appears to be drenched in those British bands from way back. Not the Revolutionary War, but the Second Invasion from, like, the 60s. I can hear more than a few of, of those, you know, bands in your music. Any particular one that moves you guys the most? Well, I love the zombies personally. I listened to them as a kid and throughout throughout college, and I, that's kind of what this band is trying to be, in my opinion. I love the zombies. I mean, we don't sound like Colin Blundstone, but there you go. <laughs> trying to, working on it. All right. Well, um, what's the band's official position on Donald Trump actually being the Antichrist? Fact or fiction or fact? Um, it's fact or fact, in my opinion. Okay. All right. Then we have. Is that unanimous? All right. Um, can I ask if any. Have you guys in the band have ever been called sir in public yet? I know you're younger than me, but your day's coming soon, so just just saying, you got to prepare yourself mentally. Well, I used to teach Taekwondo to kids, and uh, they would call me sir all the time. Oh, really? Yeah, that was kind of uh, it was strange. 
I haven't been called sir, but I've been called baby a few times. <laughs> no need to rub that in. Almost <laughs> as good, yeah. All right. mm. A little bit of difference there, but all right. Well, if the band could, could have, have only one one snack food permanently written into your contract writers, what would it be? And think this over carefully because before you respond, this is very this is a very important topic to me. Uh, that would be the, I'd say the gummy sharks with the marshmallow tummies. Dinner is served. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, what's the name of the first song you guys are going to be doing? This one's going to be called Daydreams. Okay. Well, let's do it.
is the Spud Goodman Show. The excitement continues on the Spud Goodman Radio Show following this brief intermission. We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Our show psychic, Ted Marr, is waiting to speak with you. Uh, yeah, you know, I got a question for him, and I've been thinking about it all, at least last night when I was in bed. So, yeah, yeah put him on. Oh, oh well, listen, should I do the plug for his radio show right now? Well, that's your job. Oh, okay, very well. Ted Mars Out of This World radio show airs each Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time on KKNW AM 1150 in Seattle, and he's also on the web. Here he is. All right, give as warm of a welcome as humanly possible to our show's resident psychic, Mr. Ted Marr. Hey, man, how are you doing? Fine, fine, but it's wonderful to talk to you. Super. Well, I wanted to ask you about that Area 51 place. Yeah, I know you're in contact with alien beings, so is that place for real or a big hoax? Is it actually a place where a bunch of aliens are housed? Uh, Area 51 was established as the result of a secret agreement uh, signed by President Eisenhower in 1954 called the Treaty of Merida. In that agreement, um, uh, there are aliens, reptilians, who have given uh, the United States government uh, some of their advanced uh, technology in order for us back then to fight the old Soviet Union. There's not only Area 51, but there's also Area 52, 53, 54, and S4 located at the same location. Wow, I had no idea. I thought there was only like one area. Oh, wow. No. And the, the thing is, is that the reptilian aircraft, uh, UFOs, do come into that base. Um, humans and reptilians uh, staff that base, but areas 52, 53, 50, uh, 52, 53, 54, and S4 are all entirely um, inhabited by the reptilians. And if any human steps on, they will kill you. Wow. All right, that's for the record. Say, Spud, have you ever thought about the possibility that Ted here actually works for the U.S. government and that he has no intention of providing accurate information about those aliens at Area 51? I'm just saying, take whatever he says with a grain of salt. As you know, there's still a shoot-to-kill order in effect for anyone that comes close to this part of Edwards Air Force Base in Nevada. I doubt he would reveal any classified information to you on a live radio show unless he has a death wish. Uh, Have you ever heard of Art Bell? He has probably disclosed more classified information about aliens than Edward Snowden ever has and all the leaks he put out on national security issues. And he's still alive. Well, I'm just saying, be discerning when discussing anything to do with Area 51. That's a topic that can get you in a lot of trouble. All right, point taken. Let me get back to Ted. All right. All right, Ted, I'm back. Okay. 
Well, if they're living there rent-free all these years, I sure hope as a taxpayer, you know, that they're providing some kind of valuable information to our military. I, I don't want to go all tea party on them because I'm not a member, but there, there is no free mm -hmm. lunch in, in, in reality. You know, everybody knows that. Do they, do they pay for any rent or upkeep or meals or? No, no, they don't. They've been actually abducting humans since 1954. And among other things, um, they have provided technology to our government to establish a secret space program. And now, according to my sources, the U.S. Navy as part of that program um, have many spaceships out in the solar system. Sheesh. Wow. Well, I haven't seen that they've really provided this world much of anything. So, you know, for me, it's, it's, it seems like it's time for them to produce something big. You know, if, if they're all, you know, they're going to live there on our dime. Am I being unfair? Or are they, you know, what are they doing to actually provide a service? Um, they provide technology, but they feed off of negativity, fear, and war. And th they're one of the instigators, people believe, behind many of our wars here on the planet because that's what they feed off of. If peace were suddenly to break out and we became a harmonious planet, um, they couldn't be here anymore because there would be no negativity. Oh, so what you're saying is they'll probably be here forever then. That's probably what you're saying. That's a bottom line. <laughs> no, no, right. no, 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 no. Right. No, things are changing. <laughs> no, they won't be here forever. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, this has been interesting. Uh, I, I, you know, I learned some learned something here. So I want to thank you very much for calling in tonight. Uh, that is Mr. Ted Marr, our resident psychic. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is the Spud Goodman Show. I'm still not over my surprise. You know, Spud, your feelings of embarrassment of being referred to as sir by women, it most probably stems from your fear of your own mortality. You know, there's a time huh? for birth and a time for death, a time for being called young man and a time to be called sir. It's the circle of life. Yeah, I know all about that circle of life. I'm not afraid of dying. I just want to, you know, I want everyone to say at my funeral, I was a good dude. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> well, I, I don't know if it's realistic, but maybe at your funeral, you might receive a few, uh, he wasn't that bad of a human being, or maybe uh, you'll get a, oh, he didn't know any better, and he just never developed a filter. So everyone should take that into account when remembering Spud Goodman. Americans love a winner. You know, the only good thing about dying is you pretty much get a pass on maybe 80% of the crap you pulled on people while mm. you were alive. Mm. You know, relatives and friends sort of forget most of the horrible things you did to them. And that's the comforting thing. You know, the, it takes a bit of the sting out of, out of the whole kicking the bucket thing, for me at least. Yeah, 80% might be a little bit high. You know, some things are difficult to forget. I mean, I know, I know that. And, yeah. and maybe it will only last until the funeral is over. But, you know, that's better than nothing. I, I'm going to put in my... I will to have the best food and, of course, an amazing cake with buttercream frosting for everyone at my memorial. You know, and, and an open bar, too. I'm probably, probably well with Monarch and Budweiser, as you know, I'm not loaded, but I plan on everyone going home happy with at least a semi-good memory of me. You, you know, on the cake, I would suggest you at least consider whipped cream frosting. What? Oh, that's the go-to frosting for our family. We love it. Whipped cream frosting? Yeah. That would be unforgivable. Really? Say what you will of me as a person but I wouldn't feed whipped cream frosting to anyone, even ISIS members. Oh. Okay, maybe them, but for everyone else on Earth, I would never, ever do such a thing. Frosting 
is a big, big deal. It says everything about a person. Uh, Okay. Okay. Well, let's just change the subject, maybe. Yeah, just do me a favor and never mention the word whipped cream frosting again in my presence. That's three words. Who knows what's in that stuff? It's got to be way more disgusting than hot dogs, for sure. (laughs) All right. I said I would honor your request. Yeah. Calm down. Do you want me to see if the next guest is ready to go? Well, what else do you have to do? Like another crossword puzzle? Yeah, please do it. All right, Noreen, let me check with the interns, and I'm getting the high sign here. Yes, your next guest, Paige Van Zant, is holding for you. Now, she's the MMA fighter, right? Yes. Well, you know, I've never seen her fight before, but the wife is a fan of hers now that she's on Dancing with the Stars. You know, that must be really weird training during the day, punching the crap out of her sparring partners, mm-hmm. and later in the day working on, you know... The dance steps for that show? I don't know. Well, I know this. The wife has said Paige is very light on her feet, but not being well-versed in dance, I don't quite know what that means. Well, just put her on, and I can ask her how tough it is having two really different gigs at the same time. Okay, here she is. Please welcome UFC fighter Paige Van Sant to the Spud Goodman Show. Thanks for uh, coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Okay, we're going to get to the fighting career in a second, but I have to state you were selected to be on, you know, this year's Dancing with the Stars competition. So uh, what I was thinking is, do do, do fighting and dancing mix? Do you ever, like, lose concentration, maybe go for a submission move on the dance floor or a cha-cha move fighting? It must get confusing at times. (laughs) You know, lucky enough, I was partnered with someone who actually loved MMA and loved training. My partner, Mark Salas, me and him wrestle all the time. We... I throw him in submissions whenever I can, and he's totally for it. So I've had a lot, of, a lot of practice with MMA on the show. Ah, super. Well, which competition do you find more intense? Because we've had a, you know, numerous contestants from Dancing with the Stars on this show, and, and they all said this dancing thing is a, a take-no-prisoners kind of deal. The people go for the jugular. Yeah, you know, I, I actually I still think that from being on the show, I've just been more friends than anything. No one have, on the show has been super competitive or like gotten me hate for anyone else. We're actually all really supportive of each other, and I don't want anybody to go home at all. Like, I've become such close friends with everyone. Oh, all right. Um, well, you're doing pretty well in the Octagon right now. In fact, I think you just signed an endorsement deal with Reebok. So does that mean you get like shoes for life? Yeah, actually, I signed with Reebok, um, I want to say almost two years ago now. Uh, they've been absolutely amazing, and yes, I do get all the free Reeboks I want. Wow, super. You know, I'm a bit of a shoe whore myself. I have a full closet full of, you know, basketball shoes, mostly Jordans and Adidas, but I have a few pair of Reebok Shack Attacks, so if they ever send you any ten and a halfs by mistake, you know, I'll take them, just saying. So, all right. All right. You know, I totally would send some your way, but unfortunately, my dad would get a little angry about that one. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't blame him. I hear that totally. Well, let me ask you this. How scary is it when you first enter the octagon for a fight? Because it seems a lot scarier than, say, a boxing ring. It creates a sense that one may not come out feeling wonderful, very much a gladiator vibe. Because I'd wet my pants just leaving the locker room. Yeah, you know, I feel like after a fight, I feel, I mean, especially after you win, it's the ultimate high. It's the fact that you just beat somebody, you just physically demanded somebody and you really be somebody and there's no other feeling like that yeah well you've uh, you've kind of beat on some people I've seen your fights uh, you definitely are someone you don't want to mess with so uh, well let me ask you this after a fight let's talk about after a fight how soon after one do you, do you feel comfortable like going out to like the mall or a club you know how long does it take for the swelling to go down because you've taken a few shots you know yeah you know I mean after my last fight I think I, I was 
graceful and I've ever been. But I was out and about right afterwards because you wear it proudly. It's something that's like I worked my entire life, I guess, to look like this. And being a fighter, is if you wear the bruises proudly because no one else can do what you do. It's something that so few can, can get in the cage and do this. And it, it's rare. And I, I wear them proudly. Well, you know, you know, the few times I've been hit in the face, I try to wait a couple weeks so I don't have to deal with all the pity, like, I'm sorry you got your ass kicked stuff, because I guess I give off the vibe that I, <laughs> I lost, and you probably, yeah, you're right, when, yeah, when you go around with it, it obviously looks like you, you won, so anyway, all right. Well, for, for the average person who goes about their daily lives outside of the octagon, what's the number one go-to submission move they should have handy for personal safety? Oh, gosh. You know, for personal safety, I would say that most people, they, they really should just get into a jiu-jitsu class because it's the most practical in any situation, whether it be in a street fight or if you're being attacked. I mean, if you have some basic jiu-jitsu knowledge, it, it could really save your life. All right. Excuse me, Spud. What? Uh, excuse me, uh... Paige, I'll be really quick here. Well, I don't think I've ever mentioned this to you, but I myself took jujitsu lessons when I was in junior really? high. Well, That's from really? That's really nice. It's the Brazilian system. I was picked on by most of the kids at school, so my, my dad made me take them. So you know some submission holds? That's kind of cool. Maybe you could show me one after we're done here tonight. Oh, no. That would not be a wise idea. Jiu-Jitsu is a sacred martial art intended only for those who understand the responsibilities of its power. I just, I just want to learn a simple move that I could have handy when I'm at a club. You know, when, when you accidentally bump into someone, like when it's really crowded, and the wrong guy who had a bad day, you know, takes a swing at you. Uh, I, I don't go to clubs, spud. Yeah, sure you don't. Anyway, I would only use it if my safety was endangered. Well, I'm not reckless. I, I'm sorry, but I just can't do that. But I'm a killing machine myself, and that's something I take very seriously. I would enjoy, though, really? asking Paige what her favorite chokehold is. There are so many to choose from. Of course, I'm partial to the air choke myself. I feel Look, it you're really... not going to be cutting in here, as Paige is very busy and only has a few minutes before she has to go. Oh. And for the record, I'm not scared of you. I just thought, you know, you needed to know that. I, I wanted to make this clear. Uh, you got that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I... so pipe down and let me finish this thing. Sorry for that brief interruption, Paige. I am back, though. Well, looking back in, in high school, say, uh, did you have any, you know, how soon did you did you really think that, you you know, the, the fighting thing was going to be a big part of your life? I mean, did you do the normal stuff in high school? You know, I mean, like, I, I asked that to a, a lot of my younger guests. Yeah, you know, I kind of did the normal thing in high school. I kind of didn't. I went to three different high schools. Um, I was a cheerleader my freshman year, and then my sophomore year is when I got introduced to fighting. And then my junior and senior year, I actually went to college early just because I got an academic scholarship and um, was tired of high school. So while I was in college, I was training. Wow. All right. Super. Well, here, here's my entertainment tonight uh, question. It's it's lame, but it's in my contract. Yeah. What's What's been your most memorable moment <laughs> so far, you know, in your life? You're 22 now, correct? Yes, I'm 22. So can you pull out a memory, something? Uh, yeah, I can. I mean, for me, I think the biggest few moments that I'll take away is, one, winning my first UFC fight. That was the turning point in my entire life. That's from me struggling in life to really just provide for myself to make it. And then once I had my first fight, it's like everything changed. And it's like that's the moment I knew I made it and I could really like make something of myself. I mean, can you, you, you can make a semi-decent living uh, fighting now? Is that, is that accurate? 
You can. You really can. I mean, it's semi-decent and we don't make as much money as NFL players, but it, it's something that you love to do and I'm so passionate about it. And you, yeah, you definitely can make it a career full-time. All right. Well, I'm probably past my prime, so I'll, yeah, I'm probably not going to ever do that. But, you know, I'll, I'll pass that information on to my listeners. Okay. Well, I, I need to remind <laughs> everyone. That's right. Um, well, I need to remind everyone that Paige... Uh, would like your support. I'm talking to the listeners now on Dancing with the Stars and uh, and also to catch your next UFC fight. When is that, by the way? I will have a fight coming up. I'm talk- in the works of talking about one, so we should know this month when I'll be fighting next. All right, there you have it. That's for the record. All right, I want to thank you a whole lot for, uh, for calling into the show, okay? Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, Ms. Paige Van Sant. This is the Spud Goodman Show. What else is there, man? Once again, color works. This is the Spud Goodman Show. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Hi, this is Emo Phillips, and you're listening to Spud Goodman. So don't touch that dial, because it reminds me of my grandmother's left nipple. Uh, Spud, your last guest 
Freddie Highmore is ready to go on the line. You know, this guy can play a creepy person really well. His portrayal of Norman Bates on that Bates Motel show is impressive. You know, that's another one of those shows my wife does not feel comfortable having on the TV in our home. His character's relationship with his mother is not something she feels is healthy. Uh, duh! That's what makes Bates Motel so interesting. Well, <laughs> you know, we do have VHS tapes of two of his movies, Finding Neverland and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Those were great, wholesome entertainment. Well, just put them on, okay? Oh, here he is. Please say hello to actor Freddie Highmore. Thanks for coming on the show. No, no, at all. Thank you for having me. Right. Okay, you star in the Amy Network show Bates Motel. Let's discuss the show Bates Motel as you play Norman Bates, a character from both the film and now TV series that has some issues. You know, um, I mean, he loves his mother very much. Very much. Uh, correct? He, he does. He does indeed. This, this might sound inappropriate, but I have to say, your mother on the show, Vera Farmiga, is really hot. And I, I don't know if you're the method actor type, as Norman would probably take offense to that remark. So if so, sorry. <laughs> no, I guess, I, guess you're, I guess you're right. It's understandable to see how Norman was, was so easily charmed by yes. her. Um, I mean, she, she is obviously so beautiful and at the same time just so attractive in... In the you know the what the qualities that she imbues Norma with, there's just something so lovable about that character that you you're entirely entranced uh, whenever she's on screen. Uh, Spud, if I could add something here. Uh, ex hey, excuse me, Freddie. It'll just be a quick moment here. Well, listen, Freddie may be playing a character as Norman Bates, but still, it is very inappropriate to comment that you find his on-screen mother attractive. If I well, were in Freddie's shoes, I would be I highly offended. You, you know, the British are very formal and proper. Please, don't be one more ugly American insulting those from other countries. Look, I'm not an ugly American. Well... Uh, of course I would depend on how you define ugly, but, I mean, I, I'm not hideous looking like any of those dudes from the Walmart shopper videos on Facebook. No, Come on. no I, I'm referring to the crude comment you made to Freddy. Spud, he's won the Critics' Choice Award for his portrayal of Norman Bates on this show. He is a highly respected actor. I just said I've always found Vera Farmiga to be smoking hot. I do. She's amazing looking. <sighs> I wouldn't be offended if someone said that about my mom. It would be cool to hear your friends find your mom doable. Oh, my gosh. I don't even know what to say to that remark, Spud. Mothers are not sexual beings. They are mothers, the givers of oh, life. So their lives are over romantically when they have a kid? Wow, that sounds like a good talking point for zero population growth. Look, just get back to your conversation with Freddy. Maybe he'll just assume that you've been raised by heathens and forgive your intemperate question. Yeah, I will get back to him, so keep it down, please. All right. Hey, Freddie, I'm back. Uh, you know, someone from the peanut gallery had to toss in their two cents. I'm sorry. Um, well, Freddie, you've had a pretty darn impressive film career. I mean, you've won a ton of awards as you started at a young age growing up in the London area. Uh, did you still, you know, get to do the normal kid stuff like play sports, video games, and try to get fake ID? Yeah, what is a drinking age in England anyway? I know. Well, there's less of, uh, there's less of the need for, for fake ID. I went, off to, I went to university um, at 18. I did this four-year and uh, and 18 is the drinking age, so oh. there was no there was no need for the fake ID at, at university, oh. unlike in America, which which seems somewhat odd to me. Anyway, the 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 
I mean, it's not, it's not my country, but it, there's something incongruous about the idea for me of like going to university, being able to go and, um, you know, fight for your country, and then you can't quite have a drink. You know, you can get married and have a baby, and then you can't actually drink a glass of champagne to celebrate. Yeah, that is totally lame. Uh, yeah. Well, look, you, <laughs> you touched on college. I'm glad you agreed with me as opposed to like, uh, no, no, I, I really think that 21 is probably too young. No, no. But I mean, yeah, you're right. If you, if you can go to war and you can get married, hey. But uh, somehow while doing these acting gigs, you found time to graduate from Emmanuel College in Cambridge with a double major. So, uh, and I guess it was in Spanish and Arabic. Uh, so, But did you get to partake in, while you were there in a little bit of the fun side of college, or was it mostly all classwork, given the schedule? No, no, certainly a lot of, I played soccer for the um, for my college at Cambridge, and oh, cool. uh, and in fact the first two years uh, I didn't do any uh, any acting at all, so I was entirely focused on uh, on yeah my studies and and then the sort of student life that goes along with that, of course, hand in hand. Do do they play do, uh, do they play beer pong and uh, conduct uh, panty raids at colleges in your country? <laughs> beer pong, I can't. Do that been imported from America. It's not it's not the most British of, of options, but beer pong is there, yes. Hey, I we have, play your soccer um, game I over here. I'm just wondering. I've taken uh, in a couple rounds of beer pong in my time. All right, all right, cool. Um, well, you played the character Charlie Bucket in Tim Burton's film, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. How amazing was it to spend six months of your life around all that chocolate? Could you eat, like, the props whenever you wanted? I guess not whatever I wanted. There were but pretty much all of the stuff that you see... Um, there were real versions of them somewhere in a fridge. You know, not that they were, the sort of grass was, the grass was plastic, but there was real grass growing, real sort of edible, chocolatey grass um, on, in, in a little, a big old fridge to the side of the stage. So was, there was never, you never went hungry on the set, that's for sure. Super. Did the producer spring for the good stuff, or was it like some cheap generic brand of chocolate? <laughs> No, I think it was the I think it was the good stuff. All right, super. All right, we got that for the record. All right, you've done two films so far with Johnny Depp. Away away from the set, did he dress in like pirate clothes in his private life too? Because I mean, he always looks like a parrot should be on his shoulder. I'm just curious. <laughs> no, he's very uh, he's very down to us, and um, of course he is. He's who he is. He has his idiosyncrasies as we all do. Right. Um, but it's the most loving uh, loving person and 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 normal too you know he he's uh he doesn't he doesn't see himself as a as this huge star who people should bow down towards even though some people may treat him like that that's certainly not what he 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 doesn't look at himself in the mirror and 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 see himself in that way right so he is as cool as he looks in magazines. Wow, because he's he's borderline. He's so he's so cool. It's borderline scary. So all right, there we have it for the record. <laughs> all right. Well, um, you know, it looks like you're pretty much booked with future projects besides season five of Bates Motel uh, coming next year. I guess the season five is next year. Is there anything that you have coming out anytime soon that you're really pumped about? Uh, there's this BBC miniseries that I did uh, last year, which I'm sure will. We'll make it out to America on on one channel or another uh, later this year, and then um, that's called Close to the Enemy. Uh, and then, 
Yes, there's a, another couple, a couple of independent films that I've done and sort of waiting to see where, where they will go. But most excitingly, I guess recently I've been writing on, on Bates Motel 2 and I'm going to direct an episode next year. So it's been, it's been really thrilling to be involved in the wider process um, on the show uh, uh, as opposed to just acting in it, you know, having, having a bit more responsibility. Right. Hey, I want to thank you uh, for checking in with us, okay? No, thank you very much for having me. Cheers. All right, Mr. Freddie Highmore. If you've got the time, we've got the Spud Goodman Show. You know, Spud, I yeah. think the issue you're having difficulty with at this point in your life is the aging process. You know, as we grow older, people will refer to us in a different manner. It's nothing to be upset about. You know, I myself... Look, I dude, like- I bet you acted like you were 40-something in your mid-teens. <laughs> were, were you shunned in junior high? As I know, you screamed DEA agent. <laughs> All I'm saying is, it's a natural part of life to be addressed in a more respectful fashion when we get older. For the life of me, I just don't understand your problem with being called sir. Hey, if I live to be 95, I still don't want to hear that sir stuff. Like, you know, when I'm ordering at a fast food place or a or a nurse when I go in for my annual physical, it's always going to bum me out. Well, that's just irrational. You, you might want to talk to your therapist about this, but It's even worse, though, with guys in their 20s or so. It hurts way more than women, really, especially at the gym. Well, you know, when I'm waiting for some guy to finish with the machine, and when he's done, he immediately starts to lower the weights and, and begins giving me tips on how to use the damn thing like I'm going to hurt myself. That's so hot. You know, I've been going to the Y for over 20 years. I know how to use every piece of equipment in the place, but but now I'm looked at like someone who needs supervision? Well, that would be somewhat unsettling. But, you know, I bet they're just trying to look out for you so nothing happens while you're Look, I don't freaking need any supervision, man. And and now it's happening on the court playing hoops with some of the young guys too. You know, some are like 19 or 20 and they're starting to take it easy on me. Hmm. There's nothing more insulting than that, I have to say. Like, like they will give me an open lane for a layup sometimes. You know, the guy guarding me will, will give me a high five afterwards and say, nice shot, sir. After I score a freaking layup. Hey, I can still stick an occasional three on most anyone. I don't know. And I hear that stuff. It's just, it just, it's just so upsetting. Like I just did something really impressive. Like I just changed my own adult diaper or something. <laughs> You're still playing basketball at your age? You know, that does not sound wise. I pretty much retired from playing any kind of sports after the 10th grade or so. Yeah. You know, we've got yeah, to take care of our bodies so we can get around in our golden years, Spud. I plan to skip those kind of golden years, thank you very much. Oh. I plan on playing hoop until the staff at the nursing home take away my Air Jordans. And it's going to be a fight. I mean, they can have my car keys before I let them take my kicks away from me. Well, listen, I'll instruct the interns on the show and others here in the studio to never address you as sir. Thank I, you. I get it. Now, can we move on here as we're about out of time and we need to wrap things Look, up? I will decide when we wrap things up as I am the host of the show. Okay, I guess I guess it'll have to be right now because we're frantically waving that the band's ready to go. So, all right. Oh, okay. All right, we're, we're out of time. So, all right. Um, I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be. And I mean that. God bless and ciao. Once again, Colorworks.
cup, say hi to my empty hands and white hands underwear. Radio show is written and directed by Spud Goodman, executive producer Lori Madsen, produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions, original music by Michael Spots and Tom Harmon, video director TJ Pites, on air talent Rob McGee, Annie Coleman, and Tom Nolan, production assistants Carrie Tompkins and Trent Botello. Spud's Greek chorus is The Folk Singers in Hell. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicist. Opinions expressed on this show do not reflect those of the station, the sponsors, or any living person except Spud Goodman. Copyright 2016 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. In the south of For an eclectic mix of music. Stay tuned for captivating talk. Stay tuned for insightful analysis of the Spud Goodman Show. Stay tuned for the Spud Goodman Post Show Report. Oh, him. Uh, welcome, everyone. My name is Gina, and I will be your host for tonight. Before we get going, I need to announce um, Lawrence, the the show's past host, is now on assignment in his new position as the Spud Goodman Show's public sector food critic. I don't really know exactly what a public sector food critic does, but maybe he will be going to prisons or hospitals and high school cafeterias submitting reviews. I'm excited to hear about his new job. And my name is Derek, and I will be the co-host, at least for tonight's show. Uh, I won't lie, I am a bit upset after learning that the news of changes that are going down in this organization. We all learned earlier today that next week will be our last post-show report. I cannot tell you how disappointing this news is, as I felt I was clearly positioned to take over the host position, given the response I was getting from our listeners. As they say, I was totally blowing up, and, and now this. Super. Is that what is going on with you? Good to know. But anyway, we are professionals here, and we do have a show to do. For me, this is my last show. I will be out of town next week. So there's sort of an informal juggalo gathering at a rest stop off of I-90 near Spokane. It's one of those spur-of-the-moment deals, and I... You know, I would expect there to be only about maybe 100 to 150 of us. But the noise from the freeway, it will allow us to totally crank up the ICP tunes on our PA. 
Yeah, I, I did notice when you learned the news of the show getting the axe, you seemed so at peace with it. I guess that happens when you already have a job as Spud's designated laugher. There are others of us, though, who are freaking out right now, not knowing what we'll be doing very soon. All right, like, I mean, super. I have a ton of student loans from broadcasting school that I'll have to start paying off someday soon. You know, I don't often toot my own horn, but I received a scholarship to Bates Vocational School broadcasting program. Mm. I mean, pretty much everything was paid for. And I graduated fourth in my class, and I did score the highest in the designated laughing class. I believe the word used at my graduation was gifted. Super. Though my program was online, I know I would have graduated at the very top of my class if I hadn't had to drop out a few quarters short of finishing up. I mean, someday I'll complete those classes and get my diploma, though. Why did you drop out? Well, I, I got a little distracted for a brief moment, and I would rather not discuss it on air. The Secret Service made another visit to your apartment? They, that has only happened once and will never happen again, okay? Super! I just, I just made a simple mistake a few years ago, and I put it behind me. Being permanently banned from Facebook must feel like it was when those witches in Salem were shunned. The ones who, you know, weren't burned alive. Look, it was all overblown, okay? I just tried to make a point about our president and his real country of birth. I mean, maybe I took it a little too far, but really, I mean, it's... Is that the birther deal? The reason, is that the reason why you're so in love with Donald Trump? I mean, he was really the main guy who kept pounding that goofy story. Look, Mr. Trump has always been ahead of the curve on most everything in his public life. Okay. He is uh, a true super. genius and will be the greatest president this country has ever had. Better than George Washington. Washington? Duh. Abraham Lincoln? Absolutely. Oh, Ronald Reagan? Uh, well, someday, it's very possible. Okay. On that note, let's clear the air and play some music. We'll be starting off with a song from a group from Nashville, Tennessee. They're the Fairfield Four, and it's titled, Don't Let Nobody Turn You Around. And then we have a band from Fremantle, Australia, the Love Junkies, and their tune, Oxymoron. But first up are the Fairfield Four. Hit it, Dave. Don't you let nobody turn you around. Don't you let nobody turn you around. Don't you let nobody turn you around. You just keep on the gallery. Don't you let nobody turn you around, don't you let nobody turn you around, don't you let nobody turn you around, you just keep on the gallery. Lord, sometimes I stand and wonder, oh, how strange things can be. Well, now I don't bother nobody, but they always talking about me. Don't you let nobody turn you around, don't you let nobody turn you around, don't you let nobody turn you around, you just keep on my mother died and left me down in this world alone and i have no friend or relations but i'm trying to make heaven my home don't you let nobody 
Goodman Post Show Report. All right. We are hanging out here with our musical guest, uh, Color Works. Thanks for sticking around for the Post Show Report. For those listeners who did not catch the first hour, uh, could you guys identify yourselves and the instrument that you play? Hi there. My name is Nick, and I play bass. I'm Brett. I play guitar. I'm David. I do guitar keys, a little bit of spaceship noises, stuff like that. And I'm Andrew, and I play drums. All right, super. Nice. All right. So now when I sit in to host this show, it offers me an opportunity to ask the band something that is really important to me as a dedicated juggalo. How big of an influence has the Insane Clown Posse had on the Colorworks sound? I mean, bands are often not aware consciously of how big of an influence ICP has had on them. They're they literally were, the only band I listen to. They're my biggest influence in magnets, fourth grade. Magnets, how do they work? Super. 
great. So, um, also, what ages did you all first start playing music? Were you all in band at school? I was third chair clarinet myself when I was in high school. Ooh, so, nice. I yeah. played the trombone uh, when I was in fifth grade, but uh, I was about four feet tall, so that didn't really work out. Uh, oh, I, super, but I st- right. <laughs> started playing guitar when I was uh, 11. I played the trumpet for a little bit, but I was no good at that. I was lo- the last chair, and then Brett asked me to play bass in his band. I found a guitar in the basement at age eight. It depends on what you mean by play, but uh, I did a little bit of violin in elementary school. I play a little bit of violin, and then I started banging around on my dad's drum set at about eight years old. And then he just it was like, you just need to learn how to play this because... You're driving me crazy. <laughs> Super. <laughs> well, it sounds like you guys are all pretty uh, musically versed. That's wonderful. Um, what would be the favorite color work snack food? I mean, Spud is very big on asking about the eating habits of his guests, and I didn't hear him broach the subject with you. Uh, we're partial to the uh, the pie shake, which is a, a, it's, a, it's not a very well-known confection. but uh, uh, If you go to Sherry's, you can get a pie shake uh, anytime. Day or night. It's a pie in a shake. Oh, I think it's a shake with a pie. All right, super. Um, you, know, you know, my podcast usually just features my own music. I, I do have a rap album coming out, but I like your stuff, and, you know, I might actually be playing it on my show. Whatever, Derek. So, guys, what's the name of the last song you're going to be doing? Uh, this one is called Joyla Red. This is uh, the title track off of our last EP called, called Joyla Red. Summer sky watched us with eyes we didn't speak. Just stared outside at the pouring rain that poured into our minds. Stayed up till the sun colored the wine left in the glass that she knocked
gentlemen, post show report. All right, I believe it is the time for our first highlight. <sighs> yep, it's that time. Uh, so this first highlight comes from uh, Spud's interview with Ernie Hudson, and uh, he talks about the uh, recent rumors of him popping up, well, at least online rumors anyway, of him popping up uh, dead. And then Spud and his co-host, or whatever his name is, uh, they have a little discussion about maybe the pros of that happening to Spud. All right. All right. Well, you know, Ernie, it was reported online that you died on May 2nd of this year. Can I ask how you and other celebrities <laughs> feel after you read on the Internet that you're now supposed to be deceased? Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I, wouldn't everybody be surprised to find out that I'm actually a ghost, you know, that... Yeah, um, yes. You know, yeah, no, it's it's funny. I, You know, I, I, what do you say to that? I mean, you know, so many things can get printed, and um, it just, just goes to... to you know, tell us that we can't believe the stuff that we read, even though some of it seems very real. But yes, there's just so much misinformation uh, that um, you know uh, that's out there, and you have to take it all with a grain of salt. Well, that would really upset me if I woke up one morning and read on the internet that I was dead because I believe what I read on the internet. So call me naive, whatever. <laughs> that's where I get my news. But all right, say Spud. Yes. Hey, uh, excuse me, Ernie. I'll just be a second here. Yes, but I think the only people who are mistakenly reported to have died on the internet are really big celebrities. You know, you probably don't have anything to worry about as no one's going to make something up about you supposedly dying from an overdose or heart attack. Maybe someday if you do get famous. Hey, I, I resent that statement. I am a radio talk show host. This program is heard on a bunch of stations. Now, I, I may not be as well known as Tony Danza or Justin Bieber, but I bet it's possible someday... A fake report of me kicking the bucket might come out. Never say never. Well, oh, okay. I, I guess it's within the realm of possibility that this could occur. But most of the time, these bogus stories are put out by publicists who want to give a boost to a sagging career. It gets their client's name in the news, if only for a day or two. Oh, I don't have a publicist, but, but I would kill to be a trending subject on Twitter, if only for an hour or two. Well, I bet some of the lower-level celebrities have had to do this themselves, so... I I guess you could do it yourself, but it seems like such a desperate act. John Miller? Well, at least at least I would get a brief moment in the sun. Your fake death notice, on the other hand, would go straight to spam. Now let no. me get back to Ernie here, all right? Hey, Ernie, my apologies. I'm back, though. I thought you hung up on me. Well, <laughs> what are the long-term... So I wonder, you know, I, they had mentioned Spud dying of a drug overdose. I don't ever see that happening. What, what would you think his cause of death would be? Like choking on a sandwich? Pepto-Bismol Pep overdose. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, definitely, definitely Pepto. Drowning, drowning in yeah. a tub of Pepto-Bismol. Or like yeah. if he was to fall on his spatula and cut an artery or something. Ooh, yeah. All good ones. All good ones. All right. Well, let us get back to some music. We'll be leading off with the jams in the city. And after that, we have something from Nirvana. Oh, the guilt.
Stay tuned for more of the Spud Goodman Post Show Report. Welcome back to the Spud Goodman Post Show Report. Uh, say, Gina, they're telling me that we have a call holding. Uh, we should put it through, right? Right now? I, I wasn't really planning on taking any calls tonight. Well, I mean, we, we really can't ignore our listeners when they take the time out of their busy lives to call in and give us valuable feedback. Ugh, fine, okay. Uh, put the call through. Caller, are you there? You bet I am. Can I talk to Derek? Uh, yeah. uh, I guess so. He's here in the studio with me. Go ahead, caller. Derek, if you're listening, I just wanted to say thank you for giving so much back to your fans who oh. tune in each week to the post show report just to hear you. Okay, uh, the lady super. there sounds she's the lady that sounds nice enough, but she has to know that you are the only reason anyone tunes into this radio show. Okay, well, you are entitled to your opinion, but um, is that all you have for us? Well, I and thousands, if not millions, of others who download Derek's podcast each week Mm -hmm. are willing to follow this guy wherever he graces us with his wit and wisdom. I'm sad the post-show report will be ending, but it also opens up the obvious move of him at least co-hosting the Spud Goodman show. Super. Um, uh, the doofus they have now in that position is an embarrassment, and Spud could use some fresh blood. You know what I mean? He's no spring chicken. <laughs> Where is demographics? Probably a lot like the, the CBS primetime lineup. <laughs> oh, okay. Spud may not be young and hip, but he tries hard to stay up on what's happening, Caller. I mean, it's it's best we not criticize him for being old, you know? Uh, caller, oh. um, I am aware now that you are a big fan of Derek. In fact, haven't you called in before? No. I just called to say Derek is such an underutilized resource that it's almost criminal. Mm-hmm. Thank God we all have his podcast, which is available at derekspodcast.com each week. Super. It's been described as a must-listen by critics everywhere. Oh, I wasn't aware of the critical acclaim that Derek has received for his podcast. So could you give us any names and publications so we can go check uh, them color, out? Color, I appreciate your support, and I do hope that you will enjoy this week's podcast, as I will be featuring track number one of my new rap okay, album. Again, oh. Derek, your collection of supposed rap songs on this release is a total of five, right? Yeah. Okay, so then according to the recording industry standards, that would be defined as an EP. We have gone over false advertising before. Don't call it an album, okay? Tomato, tomato, whatever you want to call it, these songs are phenomenal, and I absolutely cannot Okay, caller, we have to go now. But you, but you really haven't discussed what's happening to Derek after next week's pot, uh, last post-show report. His fans are very nervous about his future. Uh, well, you'll still have his podcast, okay? But he is a multimedia talent and belongs on the radio, too. Maybe we fans could speak with Spud personally and express our feelings? Yeah, uh, Spud doesn't really take input well. I suggest that you contact our executive producer, Lori Madsen. I do need to go, though, so bye! 
All right, everyone. Well, after that, I think it's time to get back to some music. And so we're going to start it off with something from my favorite, Miles Davis. This one's called Blue to Green. And after that, we have a song from Sam Pinkerton, a musician from Nashville. And it's titled Part Three. So hit it, Dave. Thank you. 
Temporary host, I'll do my thing. Uh, awesome so, uh, host. <laughs> so uh, our next highlight comes from the Paige Van Sant interview. Uh, and Spud talks to her a little bit about wearing her bruises and bumps and punches and black eyes and all that kind of stuff, kind of as a badge of pride around town right after her fights. All right. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't blame him. I hear that totally. Well. Let me ask you this. How scary is it when you first enter the octagon for a fight? Because it seems a lot scarier than, say, a boxing ring. It creates a sense that one may not come out feeling wonderful. Very much a gladiator vibe. Because I'd wet my pants just leaving the locker room. Yeah, you know, I feel like after a fight, I feel, I mean, especially after you win, it's the ultimate high. It's the fact that you just beat somebody. You just physically demanded somebody. And you really beat somebody. And there's no other feeling like that. Yeah, well, you've uh, you've kind of beat on some people. I've seen your fights. Uh, you definitely are someone you don't want to mess with. So, uh, well, let me ask you this: after a fight, let's talk about after a fight. How soon after one do you do you feel comfortable, like going out to like the mall or a club? You know, how long does it take for the swelling to go down? Because you've taken a few shots. You know, yeah, you know. I mean, after my last fight, I think I'd, I was swollen I've ever been. But I was out and about right afterwards because you wear it proudly. It's something It's like I worked my entire life, I guess, to look like this. And being a fighter, is it's you wear the bruises proudly because no one else can do what you do. It's something that so few can, can get in the cage and do this, and it, it's rare. And 
I, I wear them proudly. Well, you know, you know, the few times I've been hit in the face, I try to wait a couple weeks so I don't have to deal with all the pity, like, I'm sorry you got your ass kicked stuff, because I guess I give off the vibe that I, <laughs> I lost, and you probably, yeah, you're right. When, yeah, when you go around with it, it obviously looks like you, you won. So anyway, all right. Well, for, for the average person who goes about... All right. Yeah. You know, I've never actually been in a, in a fight fight. I mean, I've been, I've been beat up a lot, but there haven't been times where I've been in a fight where I've actually thrown punches back. All right. But I, right. I know it was really hard for me to like walk around with my underwear hanging out of my pants when I'd get wedgies and stuff. So I kind of get where Spud's coming from. Like, wow, you know, I'm not wanting super. to walk around when you get beat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, I, I, I've, never, I, I've never been hit. I have hit people, though. So ah. I have that going for me. I have a feeling if we went to school together, I would be the one who would be giving you the wedgies. Mm. Super. Pretty, pretty sure. I don't know. You kind of give off a nicer vibe than that, though. I mean. Well, I was kind of a, you know, a, a thug when I was younger. It's all that rap music. Yeah. All right. Super. Well, I think more music is what we are going to do. First up is a mashup from Craftwork versus Freeland titled We Want Models. Well, come on, who doesn't? And after that, we have something from rockabilly great Jimmy Lloyd, and it's I Got a Rocket in My Pocket. Whenever you are ready, Dave. Your cell phone, your wallet, your time, your ideas, no barcode, no party, no ID, no beers, your bank card, your license, your thoughts, your fears, no SIM card, no disco, no photo, not here, your blood, your sweat, your passions, your regrets, your profits, your time off, your fashions, your sex, your pills, your grass, your tits, your ass, your laughs. We want your soul. your habits, your fats, your fears. Give us your address, your shoe size, your ears, your digits, your plans, your number, your eyes, your schedule. Life. Show us your children, your photos, your home. Here, take credit, take insurance, take a loan, get a job, get a pension, get a haircut, get a suit, play the laundry, play football, play the field, snore some toot. We'll show you free, we'll show you soon, we'll buy you drinks. Thank you. 
clears matters, clears living, clears cola, clears pizza, clears TV, clears some rock, and some roller. Love commercials, more commercials, love dairy, not Oprah. Buy a better life from the comfort of your sofa. Here's popcorn, here's magazines, here's milkshake, here's blue jeans, here's padded bars, here's armpit wrap, here's football shirt, here's baseball cap, here's live talk shows, here's video game, here's cola light, here's tin morning, here's filter tips, here's collagen lips, here's all night balls, here's plastic kits.
Locked it in my pocket and the fuse is lit Show report. Super. All right. I think we have one more guest highlight. Yes, we do. Right. Uh, and our final guest highlight, we've got Freddie Highmore talking with Spud about. Uh, actually, Spud kind of brings the topic up, but how hot his on camera mom is on the show Bates Motel. Appropriate. He, he does. He does indeed. This this might sound inappropriate, but I have to say, your mother on this show, Vera Farmiga, is really hot. And I, I don't know if you're the method actor type, as Norman would probably take offense to that remark. So, if so, sorry. <laughs> no, I guess I guess you're I guess you're right. It's understandable to see how Norman was was so easily charmed by yes. her. Um, I mean, she she is obviously so beautiful, and at the same time, just so attractive in in the you know the what the qualities that she imbues Norma with there's just something so lovable about that character that you you're entirely entranced uh, whenever she's on screen uh, but if I could add something here. Uh, ex- hey, excuse me, Freddie. It'll just be a quick moment here. Well, listen, Freddie may be playing a character as Norman Bates, but still, it is very inappropriate to comment that you find his on-screen mother attractive. If I well, were in Freddie's shoes, I would be I highly offended. You, you know, the British are very formal and proper. Please, don't be one more ugly American insulting those from other countries. Look, I'm not an ugly American. Well, uh, Of course I would depend on how you define ugly, but... I I mean, I, I'm not hideous looking like any of those dudes from the Walmart shopper videos on Facebook. No. Come on. No, I, I'm referring to the crude comment you made to Freddie. Spud, he's won the Critics' Choice Award for his portrayal of Norman Bates on this show. He is a highly respected actor. I just said I've always found Vera Farmiga to be smoking hot. I do. She's amazing looking. I wouldn't be offended if someone said that about my mom. It would be cool to hear your friends find your mom doable. 
Oh my gosh, I don't even know what to say to that remarks, but mothers are not sexual beings. They are mothers, the givers of oh, life. So their lives are over romantically when they have a kid? Wow, that sounds like a good talking point for zero population growth. Look, just get back to your conversation with Freddie. Maybe he'll just assume that you've been raised by heathens and forgive your intemperate question. Yeah, I will get back to him, so keep it down, please. All right. Hey, Freddie, I'm back. Uh, you know, Someone from the peanut gallery had to toss in there. I think Gerald needs to loosen his tie a little bit. Yeah, he always says some weird stuff. I don't know how you do the first hour with him on there. I try to ignore him most of the time. All right, so we should probably get back to some music. What do you think? Um, Let's begin with something from the late Joe Strummer and his band, The The Mescaleros. Thank you, The Mescaleros. This one is Coma Girl. And following that, we have Len Lovich with Say When. I was calling through the festival way out west I was thinking about love and the acid test At first I got real dizzy with a real rockin' gang And then I saw the coma girl On the excitement gang And the rain Come, 
Gentlemen, post show report. Really, you couldn't get the last, even that artist's name right, Lena Lovett? Okay, whatever, Derek. <sighs> okay, well, I guess this is about it. It's my last post-show report. It's been a great ride, and I will really miss working with Lawrence. At and least me. we will continue together in some fashion on Spud's show. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I still haven't heard about them finding my position on his show i mean super hopefully by next week they'll find something that will utilize the skill set that i bring to the table i know they have all the interns they need maybe a maintenance thing at the studio i mean it needs a good cleaning uh i don't think they would waste the talents of a broadcasting school graduate in a menial job i would be so overqualified for that but you didn't actually graduate well, almost. I was very close. Okay, maybe you could get into Trump University now if things don't work out here. Uh-huh. I mean, I read that they are um, not really full these days, so I should um, go ahead and thank our panel before we sign off here. Dave on the soundboard, great job. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. And our engineer, Mike. Thank you for all you do. Oh, thanks, Gene. It's always a blast. And Trent, our production assistant, we really appreciate your contributions. Is the show still going? I took a nap. Uh, Yeah. And our intern, Carrie. I've had a great time tonight. Thanks for having me. Thank you all so much for your hard work. Yeah, uh, do you guys think Spud likes me? I mean, I have no chance to get something here if he says no. I don't think he even knows who you are, so I think you're safe. Anyway, for the last time, I guess, my name is Gina, and good night, everyone. Take care. Derek now out, I guess. The Spud Goodman Post Show Report is written and directed by Spud Goodman. Executive producer, Lori Madsen. Produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Associate producer, David Deere. On-air talent, Annie Coleman and Derek Schneider. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Production assistants, Kerry Tompkins and Trent Botello. Theme music composed and performed by Brian J. Martin. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicist. Copyright 2016 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking.